0: And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth. And laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you great good tidings of great joy.
1: Thank you, Tom and Lucienne. Yeah, now, that is a proper reading. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm saying? That's like in the original language of heaven reading. Good morning, everybody. Wow, I feel like I'm off center here. Let's get on center. All right. So last week we broke a bunch of records. If you remember, I said two weeks ago that the organization we're partnering with was concerned that we could do this, and uh, we did it. We actually did it, and we broke every record that we ever had. We packed a record number of meals, 165,000. We had a record number of event staff. We had 200 people sign up for the event staff. We did it in a record time. We did it in just two hours. So each pack in the service, we did it, and then finally. We had a record attendance. We had almost 2000 people show up last week. The tag was awesome. Somebody had to be the captain of that ship. And here she is Deb Bergen. She organized the whole thing.
2: I couldn't have done it without you guys. So for all of you who came, thank you so much. It was awesome. I couldn't have done it without you, obviously.
1: And Deb, you had a good attitude almost the entire way. Of the almost. We got some good pictures going on back here, smiling faces. I think that just bled through from Deb to everybody who served. So it was, it was really great. The numbers are 6,200 children die every day. 6,200 children die every day because of hunger-related diseases. Last week, we fed 454 children three meals a day for an entire year. That's what you all did. So there are... 454 children in the world who are eating every day because of your efforts last week. I think that's awesome. We are very proud of you guys. And I had said uh, two weeks ago also in the concern that could we get all this done, uh, that we really needed some help to do it. And we asked everybody to be creative. And boy, you guys were very, very creative in your different ways. You did. One person came in. They went on a meetup. You all know what meetup is. They have 42 people come from a meetup. Yes. We had somebody bring their football team. We had people celebrating their birthdays. They just said, hey, this is where my party's going to be. Show up at uh, the gym at Thomas Jefferson. We had Girl Scouts, Brownies. I don't know. We had a bunch of other things. And my daughter was working at a table. And uh, we have a group of friends that come. They're here every week. And they came. And some of them are away, but we have some of them that are here uh, today. And she said... My daughter, she said, look, she said, you know, everybody did a great job. You guys are all stars She said, but, but this group that she worked with, she said, they were phenomenal, and they just did an awesome job of packing meals. So we wanted to recognize them. They're, uh, we're awarding them the all-star table, so we give them a huge round of applause. <laughs> yeah, come right on up. You guys did awesome. You guys did awesome. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> great. Thank you very much. You guys are thank you, thank you for that. You guys are great. Thank you. Okay, so uh, there was uh, there there is one problem. If you happened to look on the back of that pack last week, maybe you maybe you flipped the pack over and you saw these words, just add water. That's the problem with the food that we packed last week. You have to add water. And the reality is over 700 million people, over 700 million people do not have access to clean water. So they can't actually cook that food and clean water and it's a, it's a big problem. And so this is why I'm in the blue sweater today because we are all about... We're all about water. We want to put in wells. So we asked, we asked you all uh, to uh, put your stomachs in the game. You are talking about putting skim in the game. We're asking you to put your stomachs in the game this past week and eat a lot of beans and rice. And the money that you save with the beans and rice is going to actually, that's where all this money is coming from, to help us with the $40,000 to put in these seven wells. We want to give you a couple of water-related statistics that are important. So over 700 million people around this planet do not have access to clean water. Deb?
2: Close to 8 million die every year as a result of no clean drinking water.
1: In developing countries, as much as 80% of the illnesses in developing countries are associated with poor water conditions.
2: 443 million school days are lost every year due to water-related illnesses.
1: Okay, now here's the last stat that we want you to be aware of. For every $1 invested in clean water and sanitation, we see an economic return of, a bare minimum, $3. So we've talked about education is affected by clean water, right? And illness, there's an economic component to this. So as we're thinking about the $40,000 to put in these seven wells, you can say bare minimum times seven is going to be the return. It's going to affect economics. It's going to affect education. It's going to affect people being able, you know, to, to, to... be healthy so they don't have to go to the hospital. So all kinds of ways people are affected by clean water. I want to say real briefly, just in case you're here for the first time, we have a philosophy on our outreach uh, efforts, our missions philosophy, so to speak, and we like to talk about it with a word, see, S-E-E. We want to see things change. And because we want to see things change, we we have to be very specific on how we're going to go about doing that. So number one, the S stands for put skin in the game. So I know we asked you to put your stomachs in the game, but all right, skin in the game. So last week we actually packed. Uh, We're going to say in a few minutes, we're going to invite you. Last year we sent money to build seven wells in India. This year we're going to say we're going to send people to go and do it, to get to know the people that we're providing the water for. So we want, to, we want to partner with organizations that allow us to put skin in the game. We want to partner with organizations that are very, very effective at what they do. And we want to partner with organizations that are very efficient at what they do. So we really vet these organizations at, well, we work with a number of wonderful organizations, international justice mission, Compassion International. Locally, we work with Casa Cheer and Little Lights, AFAC, the Arlington Food Assistance Center, Carpenter Shelter. Living Waters is the, uh, is the organization we'll partner with here. And so we look at these organizations through something called Charity Navigator. There's a number of sites that do this. We want to make sure that when we're partnering with the organization and we're giving them resources, that they are going to do their job and do it great because we want to make sure the people that we're trying to help really, really get help okay so just so you know that so beans and rice put your stomachs in the game last year we did this seven wells in india here are some pictures of the well so that is actually the picture of the well that we put in in india we put seven of them in now all seven are in there's a picture one we got a few other pictures for you to look at uh through here Do you see that they put up a banner? So that's the actual well, thank you Grace Community Church for what we did. So that's what we did last year. And this year, we actually wanna send people. Last year, we just sent the finances. This year, we wanna send people down to do the well drilling trips. And we wanted to make sure before we started sending people down that the trip was awesome. So we figured, let's not test it out on everybody. Let's just test that on Deb in case it's terrible. (laughs) In case it's a terrible trip. Only Deb gets experience, <laughs> the horrors of it. So uh, we're, gonna ask, we're gonna ask Deb a few questions here, all right? And, and as we do, we're gonna see the pictures from the actual trip that Deb was on when? Was it October? In October. It was in October, that went down. Okay, first of all, uh, how was the trip? Was it good?
2: It was awesome, best trip I've ever done. Okay. It was absolutely amazing. The, the ability to actually to meet the people that we're having an impact on, to actually get to interact with them. What we did last week with the food was amazing. We know we're helping people, but this one, we actually we were helping people, we actually got to meet them. So, And you're gonna see some pictures as we go through of this, this awesome village. I love these people.
1: Can anybody go on this trip?
2: Anybody can go. They break it into two teams. They have the actual drilling team. It's very physical, um, very demanding, very muddy uh, work. And then they have a hygiene team where they they teach everybody the proper hygiene techniques and then go through a bunch of stories, a bunch of crafts, and then how to keep the well clean as well.
1: Okay. Uh, You have to speak Spanish?
2: Um, You do not have to speak Spanish. It would help. Um, We had uh, some little children that really wanted to interact with us and other than gracias and, you know, donada and a few other words, I I really didn't speak. But it didn't really matter because hugs and smiles go a long way. So it's, yeah, these kids, they followed me around all week. I love these guys. (laughs) But It was absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, I think if you're going to go on the trip, two of the biggest requirements are that you have to have a sense of adventure and you have to be willing to roll with it because things do come up and. Flexibility. Flexibility. Yeah, you never know.
1: If you're inflexible, we don't bring you back, okay? (laughs) That's the deal there. Guatemala is a wonderful place. And just so you know the impact, and Deb's going to talk about this in just a second, just so you know the impact is the last time I checked, Guatemala leads Central America in, in malnutrition amongst children and water, poor water conditions is the number one reason why. So did the trip, could you see how it's making a difference in people's lives?
2: Absolutely. When they don't have to take sick days because of the, the poor water, they, they're able to, to be more effective and to, to keep their jobs. We were told, I didn't say this in the earlier service so you guys get a bonus, Um, about 60% of that village was actually unemployed. So we're really hoping this will make a huge difference. Um, This village of about 200, 300 people, they had no access to any clean drinking water. The river that they were getting most of their water from was about the color of my sweater. Um, I wore that unintentionally. I didn't know you were gonna have blue for water, clean water, and um, green for what it really looks like. Um, but the few shallow water wells that they do have are impacted by the pesticides from the sugarcane fields and um, also poor sanitation, so they don't have, Um, sewer treatment systems so unfortunately um, it's it's a really really bad problem but we were able to give them amazing clean water but they're not the only ones impacted the the team that went I think we got as much or more out of it building those relationships Derek talked about that a couple of weeks ago I really think that I I feel like I got more out of it than they did we just gave them clean water (laughs) but I feel like my life was changed
1: And the poor sanitation, that is a problem with the water there, too, because that bleeds into the whole process. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, we want to show you a brief video. Uh, this is something that I'm imagining most of these kids you're going to see in here have never had an opportunity to do before, right?
2: Yeah. Before you start it, though, uh, just to set it up, after the well is dug and we've, we flushed it out and we have the clean water, um, they basically hook up a fire hose to the water. And everybody from the mayor to all the, I mean, everybody, the drill team, we were all, um, I'll let you go ahead and play it. Yeah. it was awesome
1: so you know that's that's awesome so what deb had shared with us in the first service is a lot of the a lot of water that they have access to before the well is fecal contaminated and what we said in the first service was you know that wouldn't be so fun (laughs) if the water coming out of there had that type of contamination in it that is a much better situation it causes people to smile so um are you giving me an update? Okay, so here we are. just want to tell you where, where we are. We're at $23,919 uh, towards that, which is a huge... So we're more, than, we're more than halfway there, and I also want to tell you that, Deb, we have a table in the lobby with actual pictures from the trip that Deb was on, and uh, Deb hopes to go on the trip in March. We have, we have uh, the May first of four <laughs> trips planned in 2017, uh, and so we'll have a table in the lobby, and Deb will be there to answer any and all questions, so we encourage you to check it out. We just want to say a big thank you. You want to say anything else?
2: Including the size of the bugs, so, you know. Sense of adventure, got to be able to roll sense with it. Sense of
1: adventure, sense of adventure. Very good. How about a big round of applause? Thank you very much. All right, just a brief word about Christmas, since it is since it is Christmas. I thought we should say something about uh, something about Christmas. So we'll try to say a few things in ten minutes or less, and then um, then we'll celebrate what has happened. Okay, so uh, we sang "Joy to the World." minutes ago, right? Anybody remember us String Joy of the World? Do you know that's like top five Christmas carol ever? There's some debate about where it falls, but pretty much, and I think I read one stat that it's the most published one of all the Christmas carols that we have, and there's some lines in there that I thought were great. I'm just going a couple of them back to you. It says, uh, you know, joy to the world, let the earth receive her king. Joy to the world, the savior reigns. And then this one really caught my attention out of this Incredibly popular Christmas carol. No more, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. What is that talking about? What exactly is the deeper meaning of joy to the world? And for our purposes here today and for the series that we're in, A Deeper Christmas, What's the deeper meaning of Christmas? Like what is Christmas really all about? Is it just a nice sweet story that we've cleaned up over 2000 years, right? And it's all about a baby in a manger, not a feeding trough, a manger, right? And happy shepherds and a smiling Mary, or is there something much deeper, right? Was it was it much more Powerful than that, than just a sweet little story. This is what I'd like to spend just a few moments uh, talking about: incarnation, theological word. What does it mean? That's what Christmas is about. Incarnation. Incarnation means simply this: God comes in the flesh. God comes in the flesh, and what we had said two weeks ago is: is some of us in this room. You know, we believe it. We're like, yes, I got it. God came in the flesh. And the challenge here is to say, okay, since I believe that God did come in the flesh, I do believe that Jesus is God. How does that impact my life? What's the deeper meaning to that rather than just being a sweet story? And for those of us who don't believe in that, and many of us don't, we don't. What if we did? What if we did believe that Jesus was God come in the flesh? What would the impact be upon me if I believed it? So we've been preparing for a series that we're going to do in January on racial reconciliation. And what struck me is Christmas affects everything. It affects a broken world. Joy to the world. Sins and sorrows are growing. It affects everything. But as I'm getting ready for this series on racial reconciliation, I'm like, oh, my gosh, wait a minute. Like the very foundation for fixing the broken problem is found in the story of Christmas. Christmas... The Christmas story is the foundation for how we fix the problem. That's what struck me so much. So uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that step number one in this broad agreement, very, very broad agreement on this. You listen to people that are experts in this field and they're thinking and they're studying and they're speaking and they're writing about what's the first step to the first step is this proximity. You got to cross over. You got to cross over that line. You got to get to know the person. You got to walk their walk. You've got to have an understanding of them. You've got to step into their shoes. Well, what's Christmas? Christmas is God Almighty stepping into our skin. And I told you a story about when I uh, went to the Vatican for our 25th wedding anniversary years ago. And at the Vatican, we went to Sistine Chapel. And for years, I've always heard, okay, what's the story? What's the Bible really all about? Well, the Bible, everybody, is man's search for God. Has anybody ever heard that? The Bible is a story of man's search for God. Anybody heard that? Anybody in this room? Three or four of you have heard that. Okay, I have heard that all my life. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right, right, that's it. But actually, the story of the Bible is completely opposite. So the story that's given in the Bible really is God starting in the first pages of the Bible saying, God is searching for man, and man is hiding from God. So there's this picture, right? There's this fresco on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And I showed it last week, and there it is. And you see God over here, and he's twisting, and he's turning, and he's reaching so hard to get to Adam, and Adam's like, I don't know. (laughs) Encounter God, have a nacho, drink a Coke. I don't know which one. What do I want to do? Who's searching for who here? God searching for us. That is the real story of the Bible. Let's look at the next picture, Here's the next, okay, there's a close-up. God has come 99.9% of the way, and Adam's not sure he wants to come that last .9, right? There's the picture. That's really, that's an accurate picture of what the story that the Bible is telling us. And so what's step number one? You want to fix a broken world. You want to fix whatever's going on in your life. You want to fix a relationship that's wrong. You want to fix the situation, Racial reconciliation. You have very broad agreement. I can tell you after months and months and months of listening and studying, step number one, proximity. Step number one, you have to cross over. Well, that's Christmas. That's Christmas. And what got to me is this. Have we muddied the waters of Christmas so much? I want to ask you, if you're here this morning, like, no, I'm not really sure. Jesus, God in the flesh, incarnation. I just want to ask you to consider this. It is the story of Christmas. There's broad agreement that it's the only way to reconcile a relationship that's broken is you've got to step across. That's Christmas. That's the story. It's built into the foundation of this world, the way things work, the way reconciliation happens, and it's the story of Christmas. Would you consider, since we all agree, it seems to me, would you consider believing in that? Here's the second thing I what to want to talk about today. So that was, that was two weeks ago. In the next moments, I want to talk about uh, what is step number two that I hear again incredibly broad agreement about how do you fix things that are broken? How do you reconcile? And what, how does that lead us to deeper joy? Because as Tom and Lucy Ann read just a few moments ago... Good news, great joy. Why is there deeper joy? There's a specific reason why there's deeper joy, and it always goes back to the Christmas story. It is the foundation for all of this. I want to show you a clip from a movie. I don't need to do much to set it up. I'll just tell you, it's from a movie called Selma. Okay? And uh, 1965, Voting Rights Act. So this is, happens before this. This is Selma, Alabama. And, uh, well, let's just watch the clip. I think you'll, uh, I think you'll figure it out. My community group, my Bible study group, um, we watched that a few weeks ago. Well, you know, what we do is, well, my guys tell me that they get tired of listening to me. And so, two, three times a year, we do movie night. And so, that was the movie that we watched. Many of us know what happened in Selma, Alabama. So, the system was broken, everybody. Sins and sorrows were growing thorns were infesting the ground, how does it get fixed? How does that get fixed? How does that get fixed? What is the process in that getting fixed? There is broad agreement on how that gets fixed, broad. I've read and read, and I don't know everything. I definitely don't know everything, but there is broad agreement on how that gets fixed. You know how it gets fixed? Somebody who's in immense power is willing to come down from that power to empower people who are suffering injustice. Somebody of immense power, right? President Johnson is willing to give up power, particularly amongst a group of people who didn't want him to do it. But he's willing to give up power to come down and empower people who could not change things by themselves. They needed somebody power to come and do that. I thought about that and I thought about how many books I've read and lectures I've listened to at this point and I've heard that same story and that same principle over and over again I thought wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute so uh, the way we fix the system is somebody of tremendous power gives up power to empower others and I said you know what that sounds very familiar to me very familiar here's the Christmas story in Philippians chapter 2 your attitude should be the kind that was shown us by Jesus Christ who though he was God did not demand and cling to his rights as God but laid aside his mighty power if you are already a believer that Jesus Christ is God come in flesh incarnation you already believe in that then I'd like you to wrestle with the example that Jesus Christ laid out for us and how does that impact your life where do you need to show proximity right where do you need to empower somebody else okay good if you don't believe in those around you don't believe would you at least consider this would you at least consider this that if this is how that situation that you just saw gets fixed that somebody of immense power president Johnson has got to make a decision To lose power with a group of people and come down from his power to empower other people. And that is the same story of Christmas. Would you just at least consider that God is showing us how to fix the sins and sorrows that are infesting the ground. They could not save themselves. We cannot save ourselves. So God had to come down to rescue us. That is the story of Christmas. I'm just asking. We're trying to do it on our own. Not going to work. That's the story of Christmas. God had to come down from a, from a place of high power to empower us. If you have never put your faith, everybody, if you've never put your faith in probably what you already believe. You pro- I can't find anybody who doesn't believe that a person of great power has to come down. To, I can't find anybody. Oh, no, no. It could have been done another way. I can't find anybody who says that about the Voting Rights Act, the 19th. I can't find somebody. There's broad agreement. So, you probably agree with this already. I'm just asking you to consider if you agree with that principle, and that is the principle of Christmas, would you consider going ahead and putting your faith and trust and belief in what you probably already believe in? That, my friends, is the deeper meaning of Christmas, and it always leads to great joy. There was great joy after the Voting Rights Act was signed by Johnson. In 1965, And there's great joy any time a broken relationship is restored and justice is done. It says this in Proverbs 21. When justice is done, it brings joy. That's the story of Christmas. Justice. A broken relationship is restored. Well, in a moment, we're going to stand up and we're going to sing about joy. We're going to sing joy to the world. We're going to sing about sins and sorrows growing and how the Savior comes to the world and saves us and helps us and changes us. And as we do, I want to let you know, our prayer team is going to be right over here against the wall. Anything that you'd like to pray about, they're there for you. That's why they exist, to pray for you. And if you're here the first time, we're thrilled that you came. I'd love to meet you. We do something over here called Grace in 5 right after this service is over. I'd love to meet you over there. And finally, but most importantly, you probably already agree with the story of Christmas. I'm asking you to wrestle with this today. Would you consider accepting the power that came down from on high? Would you consider accepting that in your own life? That whatever the problems in your life, whatever those sins and sorrows because they fester in my life that infest my brokenheartedness, would you consider accepting that into your own life this morning?
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.